Welcome to the EFC Podcast. Hi, I'm Karen Stiller from Faith Today Magazine. Karen, the refugee crisis has really mobilized churches in Canada. What was the genesis of this piece? Well, you're right. The refugee crisis out of Syria mobilized Canadian churches like nothing we've seen in recent years. So many Canadian churches signed up to become private sponsors of refugees, and many for the first time ever. And so we wanted uh, our writer to talk to three churches from different parts of Canada, and in this case, Halifax, Owen Sound, and Calgary, to ask churches, what have you learned? What mistakes did you make? What good things happened in this journey of helping Syrian families settle in Canada? And our own church at the time, we were also first-time sponsors with other churches in our community. And we know it's not easy. It's wonderful, but it's not easy. And this piece will help explore that. What Churches Are Learning as They Sponsor Refugees by Megan Gilmore Thousands of Canadian churches responded to the plight of Syrian refugees by becoming private sponsors for the first time. Here are three stories. The popular retelling of the Christmas story in 2015 was, Jesus was a refugee, says Bryce Ashland Mayo, senior pastor of Westlife Alliance Church in Calgary, one of many churches that sponsored refugees as a result of the Syrian crisis. We love refugees, says many Christians, because a refugee first loved us. Sponsorship groups arose in the thousands in the face of the Syrian refugee crisis. Sponsor groups pledged to formally support refugees for a year. They raised tens of thousands of dollars, furnished apartments, found English classes, and then welcomed their assigned refugees to their new life in Canada. And as churches are discovering, that's just the beginning of the joys and the struggles of sponsoring refugees. Timberley Baptist Church, Halifax. House keys are the only remains of Bashir Ali's home in Kobani, Syria. He fled the city in September 2014 with two of his four children. He had no idea those keys would hang as a decoration on the living room wall of a Halifax apartment, dangling between a world map and a vertically hanging Canadian flag. When he, his wife and their children, three girls and a boy ranging in age from 5 to 13, arrived in Montreal this past February, they thought their final destination was St. John, New Brunswick. Rerouted to Halifax, the greater shock was finding people at the airport to welcome them, ready to bring them to a furnished apartment. They thought they were basically going to be led to a hotel room and it was just going to be lonely, admits Noreen Haj Ali, Bashir's wife. Holding back joyful tears at the airport was difficult. Their already arduous journey included the added strain of illness. Bashir, Nareen, and two of their daughters, Vianne and Zine, moved to Gaziantep, Turkey, in May 2014. The girls needed dialysis, treatment made inaccessible by the conflict. An uncle in Syria cared for their other daughter and son. The girls didn't improve. Bashir returned for his other children. In September, Kobani was raided, his home destroyed. In Turkey, Bashir considered paying smugglers and risking the sea passage to Europe. Canada's offer, a paid safe flight, was destiny, says Noreen. Not just for them, but also for Timberley Baptist Church, a small Halifax congregation. Timberley had welcomed their first Syrian family at the first of the year, the first refugees they'd ever sponsored. The experience had been overwhelmingly positive. Under the blended visa referred program, both the government and church would pay for six months of the family's expenses. The congregation, with fewer than 70 official members, raised the equivalent of a third of its annual budget in four months. 
Then they received another call. Paul Carline, who oversees refugee sponsorships for the Convention of Atlantic Baptist Churches, called Michael Leckman, Timberley's senior pastor. The convention was the sponsorship agreement holder for Timberley's sponsorship. Carline explained the urgent needs of the family of six who needed to be redirected to Halifax. Two daughters required dialysis they could only receive at the IWK Health Center in Halifax. Carline wondered if Leckman knew any sponsorship groups ready to welcome a family. They were to arrive in two weeks. Leckman knew what he needed to do. I have a very forgiving congregation, he laughs. He called the church's sponsorship committee. Ben John, a committee member, responded simply, We cannot refuse them, so let's say yes and God will provide. Within days, the church had secured and furnished an apartment. Sponsorship, says Ben John, reminds him of the Good Samaritan. He took his own resources and paid for everything and ensured this man was taken care of. I think that's how we felt about this. But that story doesn't record the injured man's response. The Ali's are noticeably grateful despite their difficulties. The girl's dialysis three days a week limits the time the parents can learn English. Both girls are waiting for kidney transplants. But when strangers smile at Noreen, it makes her day. They're eager to give back to their community. St. Andrew's Presbyterian Church, Owen Sound, Ontario. Owen Sound, on the shores of Georgian Bay, seems an unlikely home for a nomadic family from deserts along the Red Sea. Perhaps no one knows this better than St. Andrew's Presbyterian Church, the family's sponsors. It's like drawing from a deck of cards, says Dick Hibma from the church's sponsorship committee. You work with the results of the cards that turn up. In their case, a single mother and four children from Eritrea. The church wanted to sponsor non-Syrian refugees, particularly those without close connections in Canada. The Syrian refugee crisis shed light on millions of refugees that nobody in the world really knew about, explains Dana Benson, pastor at St. Andrews. That includes this family, members of the Afar people. The Afar live along the border of the Red Sea in Eritrea, Ethiopia, and Djibouti. The majority are illiterate, many nomadic. The homes they have are huts, domed so sandstorms pass over them, completely unlike modern apartments and Canadian winters. They come from a totally different place, Hibma says. Helping the family settle has been extremely challenging, says Benson. It's estimated a thousand Afar speakers live in Canada. None of them are in Owen Sound. Electronic translation isn't available. The mother is illiterate, compounding the challenges of learning English. She is likely overwhelmed, says Benson, uprooted from her tribal community and stuck in Owen Sound, she says. It's just unimaginable. The children provide some translation. When they're not around, the church relies on Afar speakers, often in Ottawa or Toronto, to translate by speakerphone. Benson and the mother spend some time together sitting, drinking coffee. I know it seems awkward, she says, but I think having the presence of other people is just a good thing. Churches are helping other churches serve refugees, and that is the case here. Owen Sound Alliance Church runs an English as a Second Language program, the only ESL classes in the city, every weekday morning, even during the summer. The church hired certified ESL instructors fluent in Arabic to teach the classes. In August 2015, their own congregation had welcomed refugees from Eritrea. The families are night and day, with different languages and religions, says Benson, but they have become tentative friends. It has been difficult, says Hibma. The children, used to life in the desert or refugee camps where education was sporadic, had to adjust to attending school all day, every day. Church members are on call to investigate unexplained absences and, when needed, walk them to school. Progress comes slowly. The children are learning English, playing soccer and going swimming. The community keeps a watchful eye on them, making sure they don't end up with a bad crowd. 
St. Andrews is prepared to support the family as long as they can, even if they eventually leave Owen Sound. To give up and say, this is too difficult, I can't do this anymore, is just not an acceptable response, says Hibma. Westlife Alliance Church, Calgary. When Kathy Hildebrand joined a refugee sponsorship committee at Westlife Alliance Church in Calgary last fall, she prayed fervently the church wouldn't sponsor Muslims. I actually had a bit of a fear about Muslim people, she admits. She has an amazing Syrian colleague, but he's not Muslim and she doesn't know any Muslims. Like many congregations, Westlife was willing to sponsor refugees of any religious affiliation. Hildebrand's task on the refugee sponsorship committee was to help their sponsored family build relationships in Canada. She decided not to let fear stop her. I don't think God would have led me to say yes if I didn't have something inside of me that could cope with the family being Muslim, she says. She chose to welcome any refugees open-heartedly. I decided this isn't about me, Hildebrand says. This is about something way bigger. It's not a convenient thing that I'm being involved with this group. It's a love offering. And the offering has been done with great cheer, says Bryce Ashlyn Mayo, senior pastor of Westlife Alliance. It has been one of the easiest things to lead. The church sponsored three sisters from Aleppo, Syria, all unmarried professionals with some English skills. And they are Christians with pre-existing connections to Calgary. Munir Aji, pastor at the Arabic Christian Church of Calgary, pastored the churches they attended in Aleppo. Aji, along with members of Westlife, welcomed the sisters when they arrived in April. Two of the sisters, Rahel Taraji and Kristen, are learning English. They want to become teachers. They're making friends, attending both Westlife and the Arabic Christian Church. They feel welcomed, they say in an email to Faith Today, but their settlement isn't complete. Paperwork errors mean their younger sister Angela remains in Lebanon. She's with family and they speak often, but her room is empty, sad, waiting for her, they say. Westlife waits too. It feels like there's almost a limb or a part of you that's not quite finished, says Hildebrand, who sees the sisters once a week, minimum, and considers them to be like her own children. I feel hurt and a bit angry and it makes me sad, she says. No one knows when Angela Taraji will arrive, but when she does, a furnished room and a loving embrace is waiting for her. Megan Gilmore is a freelance writer in Toronto. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To listen to more and to subscribe to Faith Today, Canada's Christian magazine, please visit www.theefc.ca forward slash faith today.